Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again bringing you the Word of God. It is always an honor and always a privilege to bring you the Word. Praise God. I'm so glad you're connecting with us, listening in, watching how it is you're uh, connecting with us. We're just grateful that you're with us. Praise God. Today, once again, we're going to jump into the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. We've been talking about the armor of God. Uh, we're going to do the same thing today. Praise God. So Ephesians 6, please. And again, verse 10. Let's go ahead and read through our text. Do a little quick review and then get to what we have to get to today. Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having gird your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all manner of prayer, and supplication in the spirit. Obviously, he's talking about praying here, all right? Okay, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful, okay, or awake or vigilant to this end with all perseverance, or we could say persistence, that word also a synonym of that, amen, and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may, be, uh, may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains and in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now obviously he's talking about you know putting on armor because you got to fight, okay? You got uh, you got an enemy that's warring against you. And of course in context, like I said, in context, he's talking about going into prayer, okay? He hasn't changed the subject. He's talking about going in, you know, you're, you're going in, you're going to all, with all manner of prayer and supplication in the spirit. In other words, you're going uh, into battle, praise God, in the area of prayer. And he says here, not only praying for yourselves, not only praying for your loved ones, but praying for others, he says, praying for others and also for leadership. He's talking about, and that's why he said, pray for me, uh, that I might have, uh, you know, an open door and that I might have boldness to step through that door and do what I have to do, praise God. So let's go back up here again. Let's define some of this or uh, give a little bit more clarity about this again. A little bit of review. There's the word. Uh, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong or empowered, infused in the Lord. Now, the word in the Lord is talking about an area of submission, okay, being yielded or submitted. So we're talking about in the Lord. That's what it refers to. Uh, good reference for that. James 4 and 7 says submit to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you, which is really the start of all of it. If we're going to go into resistance, if we're going to go into a place of battle against our enemy, uh, it's going to start first with you going to God, yielding to God, letting God be God. Amen. Uh, submit yourself to his leadership. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Amen. It works so much better when you let God lead in the area of your resistance. Otherwise, we find ourselves a lot of times spinning our wheels. All right, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're straining over here when we should be maybe more over here, okay? Uh, that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to get you all caught up in everything else, all right? So pretty soon, you're just running in circles, all right? 
So he says, be strong in the Lord, and it says, in the power of his might. So in other words, yielded or submitted to his power, his ability, okay? In fact, that word ability or that word might means uh, an ability that accomplishes all things, okay? Okay, there's nothing impossible here. So he says, you're not only yielding to his lordship, but you're yielding to his power, okay? You're letting him, uh, you're letting him empower you, strengthen you, guide you, lead you, direct you. This is what it's talking about. Another good reference for that would be um, Acts 17 and 28. You know, it brings out, it says, in him we, we live and move and we have our being. That's what he's talking about. It's in him. See, it's, it's yielded to him. It's submitted to him. It's in him that we live. We have life. It's in him that we move or we're literally means motivated to move forward. Amen. It's in him that we have our being, which refers to purpose and, 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 and understanding where you're going. All that's what that's dealing with. So he's talking about in the same reference here, or pardon me, in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is where it all starts. And as we've brought out through this whole series, it is so vital and so key. Put on, verse 11, the whole armor of God. And you notice he says, all the armor, amen, the whole armor, amen, is what we're trying to really make this clear, and it's called the armor of God, okay, it's not, you know, anybody else's armor, it's his armor, put on the whole armor of God that you then may be able, I love this, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, so it obviously lets you know who your enemy is, and it kind of lets you know how he operates, okay? The wiles, it means manipulation, scheming, plotting, maneuvering. Okay, that's what he does. And as we've brought out multiple times through this series, uh, part of that is through the devices, the word says. The word says not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, which refers to head games, head trips. Most of everything that's going on here that we're dealing with, what we're warring against is head games. All right, that's what the enemy is so good at. He's good at manipulating, all right? But we put on the whole armor of God, we can stand against that. We don't have to let him win. We can war against this enemy, and we can win every time, praise God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, okay, is verse 12 here. All right, which brings out real clear that your fight's not with each other. Your fight's not even with yourself, okay? We've made that real clear over this series, amen, because sometimes we become uh, our own uh, enemy, our own worst enemy, okay, based on certain things. But usually, you stop and you think about it, everything that you're dealing with with your life, it's because there's an enemy behind it that's pushing the buttons. There's an enemy behind it that's manipulating. There's an enemy behind it that's somehow or another trying to get you to buy into, uh, you know, some thought that's taking you under, all right? making you feel like you can't win, it can't happen, you can't uh, overcome, you can't this, whatever, okay? He somehow or another manipulates you into thinking you're your own problem, okay? Or others are your problem, all right? And in the end, it's an enemy that stands behind all this manipulating. It says your fight's not with flesh and blood, but it is against, here it goes, against what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And again, all of this is talking about different levels of demonic activity, different levels of demonic influence, okay, different levels of, uh, you know, de demonic, uh, you know, uh, the enemy's coming at it at different levels as far as, uh, you know, how he comes at it. We kind of took the time, we dissected that, defined it, and brought out what that means. Now, the point I make every week, okay, it doesn't matter what level, of demonic influence is coming at you and where it's coming from, 
Understand this, it's all subject to the name of Jesus. It's all subject to the word of God. It's all subject to the promises of God. And get this, child of God, it is all subject to a child of God who knows who they are in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is why we're talking this, because our fight's not with each other. Our fight's not with flesh, but it is against the enemy. There is an enemy that we're warring against, and we have to recognize that and be okay with facing our enemy. Amen. Put the whole armor on. Face your enemy, praise God, and get a victory, praise God. Amen. Verse 13, therefore, he repeats himself, take up the whole armor of God. Don't leave one piece out. Amen. With every piece of armor that's left out makes vulnerability uh, unto the enemy. In other words, if, if you will not put on the armor, okay, you lose, okay, uh, you, you won't win, okay. But if you uh, put on pieces of it and still leave parts out or have a, a, a you know, maybe lack understanding, there's a word I'm looking for, lack understanding about some of the armor, what happens is it spells vulnerability uh, to the enemy, okay? He kind of, there's a kink in the armor, he's going to come after it, okay? That's just the facts. That's why we're trying to bring some clarity about this. So again, put on the whole armor of God. This time it says that you may be able to withstand, and that word means resist, okay, in the evil day or the day of pressure. So no matter what we're talking about, no matter how the enemy's coming, he's talking about in that moment of pressure, you have to know how, amen, to do this. You put on the armor, you face your enemy in that moment, amen. Don't run, don't tuck tail and hide, don't you do any of that kind of stuff, amen. How, face your enemy, praise God. Then it says, having done all to stand, we stand therefore, then it begins to go into the armor, all right. So, of course, the first piece it mentions is the belt of truth, all right, which we refer to as really talking about being real or being true, being sincere, okay. It's without any kind of pretense, facade, pretending, all that. And the reason that's so critical is because if we start, if we're not going to be real with ourselves, we're not going to be real with God, and at times even real with others, okay, you're going to find that all you're doing is you're just playing the enemy's game, all right? You kind of now jumped into his uh, game plan. And what happens is, okay, he's, he's the manipulator. He's the liar. He's the deceiver. He's the pretender. Okay, he's the one that's behind the scenes manipulating. And see, you don't want to get caught up doing that same thing. It's better to get real so we can deal with it because if you don't get real, I'm telling you the enemy has the upper hand, all right, because that's his playground, all right? You don't want to be messing around on his playground, all right? All right, so the first thing was put on the belt of truth, all right? And just for whatever it's worth here, I always look at the, the different pieces of armament. When you start looking at they all have a specific purpose, but yet they all, uh, they all work together, okay? Every one of these pieces, even though they all have a specific purpose, but yet they all function as one. That's why it's so key to make sure you have the whole armor. All right, so the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness covering the vitals, but what it refers to, I mean, is right standing. What it refers to is no condemnation, no guilt, no inferiority because of what Christ has done. If you put on his breastplate of righteousness. What you're putting on, amen, is his, what he has done, the price he has paid. Because the enemy, part of his uh, game plan is bringing guilt, bringing shame. And if you're going to go into battle, many times, in fact, I've seen this so much, uh, when people are having to deal with things in their life, they won't deal with it because they're too busy uh, uh, being uh, filled with guilt or condemnation based on a mistake. They feel, well, you know, because of the mistakes I've made, I deserve all this. Well, that's what the enemy wants you to think. That's what the enemy wants you to believe, all right? But you have to put on that breastplate of righteousness. Don't let him get a free shot on you, 
Amen. Maybe you have made a mistake. Maybe you have some things you need to uh, get right with God or repent of. And I have found that most people are still struggling with things they've repented of, uh, repented of it years ago or even decades ago for some people. All right. You have to understand, put on the breastplate. Then it goes the shoes of peace. All right. And that's about taking ground. It's about putting your foot on the enemy's neck. All right. Don't let him up. All right. Put your foot down on his neck. It also refers to the gospel of peace, and that's referring to everywhere you go, every place, every step you take, you're about bringing wholeness, bringing a completeness, bringing everything back into divine order, about driving out chaos, driving out confusion. This is what it's all about, praise God. Put on the shoes of peace and take ground, praise God. Drive back those things that bring chaos in our life, amen. Allow the peace of God to rule, amen. Then he talks about the, or pardon me, the shield of faith. Okay, so the shield of faith, it says if you lift up that shield of faith, it'll quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. All right, so we talked about the importance of walking by faith, confidence, reliance, and dependence upon God. Amen. When you do that, amen, it's like lifting up that shield of faith. Well, the thing that those fiery darts are coming are usually fear-based thoughts. Uh, and that's what we really focused on when we got on that. And the reason being is because that's one of the primary areas that the enemy shoots those fiery darts at us. It's those, it's those fear-based thoughts that are coming at us. The fear of death, the fear of the unknown, uh, the fear of failure, uh, the fear of men. These are all things we addressed and talked about through the scriptures. Amen. And so you have to understand, if you lift up that shield of faith, fear has no place. And get this, child of God. Amen. There's torment with fear. All fear is, has torment. Okay, because it's from it's from the evil one. Okay, so that's why you don't play patty cake with fear. You don't try to manage fear. You drive fear out. You got to lift up the shield of faith. Amen. And quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Praise God. And then last week, amen, we talked about the helmet of salvation, talked about how that's defined. And it talks about literally taking control of the mind. Amen. Or we could say to defend the mind, because that word also refers to defending, uh, defending the mind. All right. So put on the helmet of somebody, protect the mind, defend the mind, literally refers to remaining spirit minded. Amen. And so we have to remain spirit minded. Now, the reason that was so important uh, in this text is because if you if you if if we don't watch it, we're more moved by natural things than we are by the spirit. So if we're going to go into battle and we're going to have to pray about things and deal with things in our life and the lives of those around us, amen, if you're always moved by natural things and being driven by natural things, you're probably not going to be as effective in the area of prayer, all right? But if you remain spirit-minded, amen, that's why you have to guard or defend, amen, or protect that mind, amen. Don't let yourself get natural-minded, but remain spirit-minded. We, of course, took a lot of time and defined that last week. And again, that's what's so important about it. you got to stay spirit-minded. So you remain led by the Spirit in all your endeavors, and especially in the area of your resistance of the enemy, praise God. Now, one of the best ways to stay spirit-minded is to stay in the Word of God, which the next piece of armament, really, in, in a sense, it's really our weapon, okay, but it is the sword of the Spirit. You see here in verse 17, it talks about the sword of the Spirit. And it says, which is the Word of God. Now, let's define this a little bit and get some clarity about what that means as far as the sword of the Spirit. 
The word is defined as a weapon of warfare. When you think about a sword, of course, that would make sense, right? A weapon of warfare, but it means a weapon of warfare of the unseen. So he's talking about a sword of the spirit. It's not something you're necessarily holding physically in your hand, but it is talking about there's, there's this weapon that you have to use, amen, that's used in the unseen, okay? Now get a hold of that because that's going to make some sense here in a minute. All right, so, and it talks about the weapon of warfare of the unseen. It also refers to judicial punishment. So it's talking about it's a sword meant to do some damage to the enemy, meant to do damage to the one that's creating havoc and problems, okay? Not meant to be used against everybody else, but it is meant to be used against your enemy, all right? And so understand, it is a true weapon, but it's a weapon of the unseen or a weapon of the spirit, all right? Now it says, which is the word of God. Now, of course, most of the time you hear that, that's what you're going to think. You're going to think right here, the, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. You think that's the Bible, talking about the Bible. Well, of course it is. Uh, the word is in the Bible. Amen. But understand what this word means, okay? The word of God. Now, the word, word, W-O-R-D, okay? When you see it in the, in the uh, New Covenant, New Testament, there's going to be two primary words in the Greek that are used, okay? One is logos, okay, which means a inspired word of God, something that was God-breathed, okay? Or rhema, okay, is the other Greek word, which means uh, literally a revealed word, amen? A revealed, something that now the cover's been pulled off and that you've, it's been exposed where you can see it for what it is. A revealed word, and get this, it means a word made to breathe, okay? So the logos, okay, which is what you hold here. So this here being the logos, it's, the, it's a God-breathed, God-inspired word of God that was breathed forth, then recorded for you and me uh, to, to read, uh, to meditate, and to speak, okay, which is real key today, all right? So the word of God Amen, is logos, okay? But the idea and the key is to get this word so alive on the inside of us that it becomes what we call rhema word or revealed word, all right? And when it's a revealed word, now it's a word that's made to breathe, okay? So in other words, it ain't just something you're, you're trying to find. Now it's something alive on the inside of you, amen? And it's so key because... When you have a rhema word, no devil in hell can knock you off that. No circumstance can steer you away from it. No person can talk you out of it. I mean, there's something about a word that comes out of the logos that then is made into a rhema word, something that is now made to breathe. It is now totally living and alive, okay? And this word rhema is the word used in this reference here in Ephesians 6, okay? The sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema word of God, okay? It's a revealed word. So that becomes now literally a sword of the Spirit, all right? Now I want you real quick, Hebrews and 4, which is a, a reference that a lot of times when you talk about the word, now that comes up, and, and uh, you know, so we're going to go ahead and read it. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful. Okay, the word is living and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even a division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it's a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, I don't have time necessarily to go through all that. Normally, I would kind of dive into that whole thing and explain what that's all referring to. But the point I want to make today is he's showing that this word is a two-edged sword. Okay, hang on to that. Now, let me give you some other references, okay? Okay, the word also says in Revelations 1, talking, this is John talking about Jesus, okay? He saw Jesus was revealed to him. He saw, saw a glimpse of Jesus, and this is what he saw. He saw out of his mouth went a two-edged sword, okay? So he's talking about a, a sword came, was going in and out of Jesus' mouth, okay? We also see in Revelations, that was Revelations 1.16 and Revelations 19.15. We also seen another uh, picture of Jesus, the same thing. And it says this, that now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Okay. Now, you know as well as I do, there's not, not a metal sword going in and out of his mouth. But what's he seeing? He's seeing the word of God being spoke. You're seeing Jesus proclaiming the word. Isaiah 49 is, is really a prophecy about Jesus. But it says this in verse 2, it says that he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. Amen. He's made my mouth like a sharp sword. Now, I want you to get the picture of this, okay? So we're seeing that the word of God coming out his mouth is like a sharp sword. Amen. A sharp two-edged sword. Amen. It's going in and out. So it's talking about him speaking the word. So when we're talking about the sword of the Spirit, we're talking about things that we do by speaking his word. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, Jesus is a, is a great example of it because we see references where he's facing the enemy. And we see primarily, you know, when he, well, I'll tell you what, uh, Matthew 4 and, and verse 4, we see where Jesus is confronting the enemy. He was led to the wilderness to be tempted. And the word says he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And the idea was he got it even at his, his most physical weakest, weakness as he could be, and the enemy brought a temptation against him, all right? Jesus said, it is written. That's what he did. He spoke the word, and he quoted the word. Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. The enemy brought another temptation. And again, Jesus said, it is written, all right? And, and quoted the word again. Another temptation come. He said, it is written. All right, and he quotes the word again. What's he doing? It's that two-edged sword, amen, confronting the enemy, all right? And, of course, what happened after that? The enemy left. And the word says he left to, to wait for a, an opportune moment, all right, which he never got one until Jesus was ready to lay down his life. But you see how he worked the word. He spoke the word like a two-edged sword, amen. So when we're talking about the armor of God, we're talking about going to battle, going into prayer, facing our enemy. Amen. You've got all these pieces of armament on, and we're called to take our weapon, the sword of the Spirit. Amen. Come on now, child of God. And begin to speak the word of God. Amen. To begin to quote your covenant, praise God. Begin to speak what God says. Amen. And take it to the enemy, praise God, like a two-edged sword, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, man. I, this stuff excites me. Amen. Let's go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, back up here, a couple books here. In chapter 6, please. 1 Timothy, chapter 6. Hallelujah. I hope you're hearing this. All right. Now, let's keep in mind, okay, that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God being spoken. All right. That's why 
It's an unseen, okay? Right now, I'm speaking words to you, amen? Even though you see me, and even though you hear me, all right? And uh, you might be, you know, maybe those that are just listening, you're just, that's all you're hearing, you're just hearing me. But understand that those words are coming forth, all right? Now, they might be an unseen thing to the, to the natural eye, but they're doing things in the unseen realm, all right? And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Every time he faced his enemy, he'd speak words. Now, we see through Scripture, uh, Jesus spoke all kinds of things. Amen. We see he spoke to uh, the sea, the winds, uh, to a tree one time, uh, and he spoke to uh, demons. He spoke to uh, the, uh, the dead. He spoke to uh, those that were infirmed and had sickness. He, he addressed things, all right, and spoke things, and things uh, manifested. Even though they were an unseen thing, you know, those words being spoke, it did things, amen, shifted things in the unseen and caused manifestations in the seen realm. Now get a hold of that, okay? Because that's exactly what we're called to do. Jesus said, the same works that I do, shall you do also, praise God, all right? So how does that happen? Well, how he works is how we work. Learn from that, amen. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith, okay? This is how you do this, okay? This is how you fight, right? Lay hold on to eternal life just means to grab hold of that life you're called to, that perpetual life, that abundant life, that God kind of life, grab hold of it. And he says, to which you are also called and have, here we go, confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Okay, he's talking about if you're going to get in this fight, you're going to have to confess a good confession. What does that mean? Well, the word confession is a Greek word, homos logia, okay? Okay, homos logos, homos logia, which you see the word word in there, okay? Logos is in there, okay? Homos logia, which means same word, okay? If you look it up in a concordance, it means a covenant acknowledgement, okay? So what you have is your covenant here. Your wor- the words of God spoken, hallelujah, and then recorded, amen, given to you and me is our covenant, okay? And so what we do when we make a good confession Amen. In the presence of many witnesses, what we're doing is we're speaking our covenant. We're making declaration of our of the word of God. We're speaking this word, the same word, a covenant acknowledgement. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're speaking your covenant. Praise. I just want to make sure I got all the notes on that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, what's going on here? He's talking about if you're going to get in this fight. Amen. You can't just go talk in any words. That's what he's trying to bring out. If you want to fight a good fight of faith, which means a fight you're going to win, okay, and of course he's talking about confronting your enemies, okay, confronting the enemy, amen, speaking the right things. What he's saying is you can't talk your problem. You have to talk your promise, talk the word, all right? You got to talk your covenant and not some situation, okay? You can't get caught up in all these things, all right? This is why when you when you when you kind of look at all the armament, this is why you lift up the shield of faith, all right? This is why you, uh, you know, you, you, you keep those sh- shoes of peace moving forward and you're swinging that sword like you should. What you're doing is you're driving back darkness. 
you're, you're, you're quenching every fiery dart of the enemy and you're doing battle yourself. You're not just always on the defense, but now you're also on the offense. Amen. Where you're now driving back darkness with words spoken out of your mouth, speaking words of your covenant, talking the same word, the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And the more real it becomes to you, the more it becomes that sword that does damage to the enemy. Praise God. Because remember now, it is a sword of the spirit, which is a rhema word of God. All right. Something that's been revealed. Amen. Something that is now made to breathe. That's right. So that's why you keep this going in you. You keep that word, amen, going in your eye gates, going in your ear gates, amen, coming out the mouth gate. You're talking it. You're meditating on it. You're watching it. You're reading it. You're hearing it. You're talking it. Amen. What's happening? Pretty soon it becomes so revealed that no devil can knock you off it. No circumstance can steer you around it. No person can talk you out of it, praise God. It's something, praise God, that now is there becoming a sword of the Spirit to drive back your enemy, praise God. Doing damage to darkness, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Some references here. I always think of Mark 11 and 23 says, it talks about speaking unto your mountain. Okay, now that word mountain just means that which uh, is trying to tower over you. Something that's somehow trying to, you know, somehow uh, trying to somehow cause you to back up. It's that thing that towers over you. So you speak to that mountain, amen, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and it shall obey you. All right, and that's Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Now, the reason I use that is because uh, Jesus is the one that's talking this. And he says, listen, you got to speak to that thing. You got to use words of your covenant, commanded to be thou removed, commanded to be uh, gone and, and, and disappear into the sea, commanded to, to go in Jesus' name. Amen. What are you doing? You're speaking to your situation, your problem. Listen, child of God, tell your problem how big your God is. Don't tell your God how big your problem is, okay? Get your sword. And, and, and pull that thing out of its sheath and begin to use it. Begin to speak to that circumstance, that situation, that problem. Begin to, and now remember, even in context of Ephesians 6, you're going to prayer. You're warring against the enemy. You're praying for you. You're praying for your loved ones. You're praying for your leaders. What are you doing, man? You grab that sword and you begin to do battle on behalf of your loved ones. Do battle on behalf of your leadership. And do battle on behalf of your churches. Do battle on behalf of, of your households. Are you hearing me, child of God? This is how it works. You got to get on the offense. Amen. And drive back darkness. Put your, fit, your foot, hallelujah, the shoes of peace on the neck of your enemy. Amen. Lift up that shield of faith and begin to swing that sword of the Spirit. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Getting a little bit of preaching here. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at another reference. Praise God. Romans 10. All right. Let's see this in the light of what we've been hearing here. Romans 10, please. Hallelujah. Romans 10. Glory to God. Romans 10, verse 10, please. Now, this is a common text. A lot of times we use uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10 here. We talk about when we're winning somebody to Christ. We call it, you know, the, uh, you know, the TNT scriptures, you know, Romans 10, 9, and 10. And we, uh, you know, use it when we're, you know, bringing someone into Christ, which is 
excellent. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a great reference for that. Amen. But it doesn't just refer to a born-again experience, okay? And verse 10, it says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. In other words, you're believing who you are, knowing who you are. And it says, And with the mouth, here we go, confession. That same word, homoslogia. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, this Greek word is the word soteria. Now, we touched on it briefly last week. But the helmet, of course, is referring to a helmet of salvation, referring to soterion, which means defense or to defend or protect, all right? But this here is the word soteria, which is referring to the saving of salvation, but it means a deliverance of, okay? So he says that with your confession, homoslogia, saying the same word, speaking your covenant, acknowledging your, the word of God, speaking what he speaks, it says here, it says, with the mouth, confession then is made unto your deliverance. So no matter what we're talking about, now obviously, you know, that's how somebody gets born again. They confess with their mouth uh, a confession. They may lead you in a, a what we would call maybe the sinner's prayer. So we, we speak these certain words. What we're doing, we're making an acknowledgement. We're speaking the covenant, even though we may not understand it all yet, but we speak it. And because of that, that confession, here we are, we're coming now out of the, 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 the realm of darkness, out of a kingdom of darkness, into a kingdom of light, into the family of God, based on a confession. Isn't that amazing? Something that simple. All right? And what he's saying is that it doesn't just work just in the area of getting born again. This is something that deals with all deliverance. No matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on, no matter what the enemy's bringing against you, through your confession, speaking what he speaks, Amen. It will bring you unto your deliverance. It will bring you into your victory. Praise God. By speaking it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's look at another reference. Let's go to the Old Covenant. Go to Psalms 50, please. Psalms 50. Oh, hallelujah. Hope you're hearing, some, hearing this and getting it, child of God. Psalms 50. Hallelujah. Verse 23, it says this. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. Of course, this is God talking here. So in other words, you begin to praise, use your mouth to give sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving unto God. He says that it'll glorify Him. And it says, and to Him, talking about you or me, who orders, okay, in other words, uh, makes a, a determine, a points or determines, that means, to order His conduct aright. Now, the old King James says the word confession, okay, orders His words, His confession right. It says, I will show the salvation of God. Okay, again, talking about your deliverance. Okay, but I will show them the salvation of God. How? Well, through them ordering or determining, come on, or appointing right words, their confession. Now, the reason the New King James uses the word conduct is because this, this Hebrew word is derik, okay, which means uh, literally a course of life or mode of action, but it means because of conversation. In other words, your life is making adjustments because of what you're saying. Okay, that's why the old King James uses the word confession, and yet the new King James uses the word conduct. But it refers to changing your atmosphere based on words being spoke. And it says if you will do that, it says he will show you the salvation of God. In other words, you will experience deliverance. You will experience the salvation of God. You will walk into your deliverance, your victory, amen, because you're ordering your conversation. You're saying the right words. Amen. You're not talking your problem. You're not talking your circumstance. You're not talking your issues. And even when it comes time to that towering thing, that mountain that's trying to tower over you and somehow intimidate you 
Amen. We're not called to give, you know, guided mountain tours and tell everybody about our mountain. We're called to cause it to go by speaking the word of God to it, making a confession of faith. Amen. Homoslogia, speaking the same word, a covenant acknowledgement, amen, to command it to go and it will go. This explains why a lot of times problems persist, why some things just never stop. They keep happening because most people don't take the time and speak what he speaks or what he declares to speak. Instead, we keep talking the problem and it just keeps on perpetuating. Are you hearing me, child of God? All right. Let's look at another reference here. All right. Hallelujah. Joshua 1. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Joshua 1. Now, in context, this is God uh, talking to Joshua. Uh, Moses is now gone, and Joshua is now getting the instructions of the Lord that he's going to now take the, the next generation of the children of Israel into the promised land. And he, he tells him all the things he has to do to keep things in line. And he says this in verse 8, this book of the law or this word, you know, these things that Moses recorded, spoke and recorded to them, take these things, and it says, they shall not depart from your mouth. Here we go. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And that just literally means you'll be productive, okay? And then you will have good success. And that literally means having the desired effect amen, or result, all right? So the bottom line is, he says, your victory is going to be dependent on two major things, okay? One, speaking what he said, okay? And number two, Keeping it, meditating on it, keep chewing on it, all right? Which then the reason for that is so that you will always speak the right things, amen? Like we talked last week, you guard, you protect, uh, you know, keep the, the, the you know, a, be spirit-minded. If you will do that, then that sword of the spirit, what's going to begin to come out your mouth is going to be the right words, and it's going to be effective in the area of your resistance of the enemy, praise God. So he says to Joshua, remember, this is a principle even back in the Old Covenant. He's saying, listen, he said, speak the right words. Don't get caught up in everything that you're seeing and then begin to talk the problem. He said, that's what happened. That's why Moses had an issue. That's why Moses got upset and got mad and then crossed a line that he shouldn't have crossed. And now he can't even go into the promised land because of a decision that he made based on something he was meditating on. And then he began to act it out, begin to speak things and act it out. And next thing you know, uh, he's not even going into the promised land himself. All right. I don't want that to happen to you or me. Praise God. So we have to take note. Amen. So he tells Joshua, listen, part of your success is going to be in the words that you speak. All right. You're going to have to say the right things and you're going to have to meditate on the right things. So you continue to speak the right things. Oh, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's look at another reference in uh, Job, please. Now we're, we're winding down fairly quick here, but Job six. Okay. Now, how many know Job had, man, he was having, you know, a rough week, you know, a rough, you know, rough day, we could say, you know, amen, a lot of stuff going on, all right? And he's sitting here talking with some of his friends, and they're, I don't know, you know, whether they're sitting around a fire talking, whatever, but the bottom line is, you know, he's saying things, uh, you know, he, he's upset, he's worked up, and and, you know, you can see what he's going through. And it's obvious, you know, this would be something that would probably upset anybody. All right. But he's talking it. He's 
He's speaking it. He keeps going over and thinking, you know, well, man, you know, all this is going on. What's God? Why is God upset with me? Blah, 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 blah. All these words get spoke, all right? And so this, uh, he gets addressed on some things about his words. And so this is what Job says, all right? Uh, this is Job's response to Eliphaz, uh, who was making an accusation against him, all right? And he says this, teach me and I will hold my tongue. This is uh, Job 6 and 24. Teach me, and verse 25, uh, teach me and I will hold my tongue, all right? Cause me to understand where I've erred. How forceful are right words. He's understanding, okay, how forceful. Now he sees it, but then he says this, but what does your arguing prove? In other words, he's telling um, Eliaphaz, I think is his name, he's telling him, he says, listen, why are you telling me all this? Don't you understand what I'm going through? But the point is this, okay, you understand, he said this, I understand how forceful right words, but he's saying, listen, I have an excuse. I have a reason to talk this way. Well, nobody's denying, you know, what he's going through. And, and listen, child, I'm, I'm bring, using this as an illustration because nobody may be denying what you're going through, okay? But if you want to change it, you can't keep talking it. You're going to have to, somewhere along the line, begin to shift what you're saying out your mouth and drive the enemy back instead of giving him place. If you keep talking your problem, it's not going to run away. It's not going to leave. Okay? So he's saying, he's saying, listen, I should have an excuse because of everything I'm going through. No, you don't have an excuse. Okay? We're not denying what's going on. Nobody's, you know, uh, you know nobody's saying that, you know, it doesn't exist. We're just saying, listen, okay, if you want it to change, you're going to have to speak the right things. And even in the area of praying for yourself, praying for your family, praying for your loved ones, praying for those around you, praying for your leadership, praying for your church, amen, I don't care, it goes on and on and on. Amen, if you want it to change, uh, what's going to have to come out of our mouth are words, amen, of our covenant. You're going to have to speak His words, amen. Praise God. In fact, later on in the book of Job in chapter 22, and 28 says, you shall declare a thing and it shall be established for you. In other words, everything begins to shift and change because you declared something, all right? Now, hang on to that because, now, let me give you some references, okay? In fact, uh, uh, in fact, let's, we, we can turn to one. Let's go to uh, Proverbs. Maybe this will be one of our last ones here. Uh, Proverbs, since we're in the Old Covenant, let's do it. Proverbs chapter 18, please. Proverbs 18. Hope you're hearing this, child of God. Hallelujah. Proverbs 18. Verse 20 and 21 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. Look at that, from the fruit of his mouth. And from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. In other words, it says that a man is sustained and lives by what comes out of his mouth. Okay, I love it. Not what's going in, but what's coming out of his mouth. Hang on to that. Okay, death and life now, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Okay. Words are containers, okay? They, they contain either life or death, all right? So death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, what you keep speaking is what's going to manifest. Now, I understand I could do a full-blown month's worth of sermons, okay, just talking about the words of our mouth, okay? But it's, it's worthy of us bringing out, okay, because we're talking about speaking the same words. Speak His words, all right? And, and we, want, we want to drive back death. We don't want to give place to death. We want to drive back the curse. We don't want to give place to the curse. We want to drive back darkness. We don't want to give place to darkness. So we're going to have to speak words of life, okay, His words, amen, because it's what changes things in our life. Uh, you, you look at Genesis 1, 
and you see where Jesus, or pardon me, where the Father spoke and, uh, you know, spoke into, you know, into the dark and said, light be and light was. And then the next, he spoke this and it happened. He spoke this and it happened. It always says, and he said, and he said, and he said. And then you get all the way into uh, to like Hebrews 11. And it says that everything in the seen realm was made by the unseen. Was made by words that he spoke. And it all came to pass. And he's saying the same thing. If we're going to fight the fight of faith, if we're going to go to battle, we're going to resist our enemy, we're going into prayer, we're going to push back darkness, you're going to have to use the sword of the Spirit to do damage. You can't always be on the defense. You've got to lift up that, sh- that sword, amen, along with that shield of faith, amen, and begin to push back darkness. Now, the way it's going to happen, you have to speak right words. Speak right words. James 3 uh, and and uh, and I believe it's like around verse six. And James, who was the half brother of Jesus, grew up in the same household uh, uh, as Jesus did. All right, learned a lot of these same principles. All right, and he says that literally you can change the whole. Use the phrase "course of nature" can be changed just by the words of your mouth. You can literally change the course of nature by the words of your mouth. In Matthew's account, chapter 12, Jesus said, he says, by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. He says, by your own words. All right? It's your words. He said, one day you're going to give account of those words. All right? So there's value on words. But he says, listen, you can, you, can, you can have good, you can have bad. You can have life, you can have death. All right? You can have win or you can lose just based on words. Okay? All right, Matthew 15 and 11, another reference. Jesus himself said, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. It's what's coming out your mouth, child of God, that defiles you. All right, so understand, we're talking about the sword of the Spirit. We're talking about make sure we're speaking his words, speaking your covenant, talking your promises. Don't talk your problem, talk your promise. And when you're looking to drive back darkness, don't just get in, in, you know, don't just hook up to your enemy and begin to encourage the problem. Speak, amen, life and not death. You know, years ago, heard a phrase. Listen, if you want the dog, stop calling the cat. All right? You don't keep calling the cat when you want the dog. All right? So you got to speak the words that you want. And what you want is your promises manifested in your life or in the lives of those you're praying for. So understand, you got to speak your promise. Speak the word of God. Speak your covenant, praise God. Use the sword of the Spirit and drive back darkness, praise God. Hope you got something today, child of God. Father, I give you praise and glory for the word. Thank you, Lord, we heard today that they had an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and for opening the eyes of our understanding. For that we give you praise, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.